Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. We dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, they're not wise. He's talking about a group of people, which we all know that group. They compare and measure and they compete amongst themselves. He says they're not wise. And wisdom in the Bible is a little word that carries with it power. It means mental health. The world talks about mental health. But the Bible talks about it as wisdom or having a sound mind. And we've been doing a series for several weeks about mental health. If you are still struggling with anxiety, depression, um, just perfectionism, uh, the inability to function in the world, you can't do well at your job or in relationships, that's mental health. The world has some great resources, but the Bible has better resources. And we've done a series of sermons, and I really believe this is the solution. Everything we've spoken about for the last 10 weeks or so is the solution to mental anxiety and and struggling to cope. He says, they're not wise. We, however, praise the Lord, we have a different answer. We, however, will not boast beyond the measure, beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us. There are boundaries. Very helpful talk. Watch it if you, if you missed it. Um, and he says it's a sphere that God appointed us and it includes you. In other words, God's got a circle for me, a sphere of life, of interest of involvement but it includes other people and we spoke about how we link with others man these have been good talks i hope you got them verse uh, 14 for we are not overextending ourselves going over other people's boundaries as though our authority did not extend to you for it was to you that we came with the gospel of christ not boasting of things beyond measure that is in other men's labors but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. And now this is the verse I want to focus on today. Verse 16. To preach the gospel in regions beyond you. In other words, there's the big context of reaching the lost all over the world. But then he says, and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. And I want to talk today about accomplishment. And this is the last sermon in the series Because we as humans want to put the cart before the horse. We want to put the accomplishment before the belonging. We want to put the doing before the being. We want to put the fruit before the root. And everything we've spoken about leading up to today has been the roots. It's a circle of acceptance, belonging. I'm loved by God. I'm not a perfectionist because perfection will never exist in this world. Uh, I relate to people in a healthy way. Boundaries, all these kind of things. That's, That's the roots. And if you get that right, then the fruit comes out, which is accomplishment. But I I I wanna stress this. We don't try and do in order to be. You see, we as humans, we love to get to the end of the book the end of the exam or whatever it is and see what the final thing is and then we work backwards. The end result is that I accomplish things. The end result is that I am effective in the world, that I do good work, that I'm, 
I'm active, that I'm busy, that I'm productive. But often we see that. We see the end result in a Christian. We see them being so effective and doing so much. And we think, let me just copy them. And that's what the Old Testament law system is about. It's about doing a list of things and say, if I do this, 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 and this, then I'm a Christian. Then I'm going to heaven. And God says, no, no, get these other things right. Get the roots it's grace, it's God's love, it's his circle, then the accomplishment comes at the end. And so I wanna stress this, if you are joining this sermon series on the last one, listen to all the others because otherwise you won't get it right. It's the end of the process. But there is accomplishment as part of the process. We've spoken about being good parents and bringing up our children. And I wanna say to you, that every good parent wants their children to be productive members of society. No parent wants their child to lie on their couch for the rest of their lives. Amen. You don't want it. For yourself, you don't want just a a lazy bag of bones lying on your couch all, all its life. But for them, we know that a person is happy and feeling fulfilled and accomplished when they are exercising an important job. They're using the gifts that they have. They feel like I'm contributing, that I'm important, and they feel a sense of fulfillment when the talents that they have are being used well in the world to help other people. And it's important that we get that. We as parents want to make our children effective in the world, to do something, to be able to express their gifts. It's such a, an important thing. Now listen to me, please. Don't, don't you think God wants you, his child, to be effective? It starts with rest. Yes, we rest in God's grace, but the end result is God wants you to be doing something, to be accomplishing something. There is a work for you to do, amen? Ephesians, let's quickly, I've got a few a few passages that I'm going to read today, and I believe it's going to help you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, We are his workmanship. In other words, God has worked on us. And that word in the Greek is, means work of art or poem or, or artistic work piece. We are his workmanship. God designed you. He is so proud of the work that he's done in making you. We read earlier on in one of the previous sermons, Psalm 139, how he was planning and preparing and and designing you when you were still little elements in the ground. Before you were even in your mother's womb, he was planning you. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The reason God made you and the reason he saved you and the reason he's given you mental health and peace and freedom from anxiety and freedom from being obsessive or compulsive or all these different things, the reason he's given you all of this is that you can do good works and it says he prepared the good works beforehand. Imagine this. Imagine waking up in the morning and realizing, which is what I hope is gonna happen after today's sermon, imagine realizing I am a finely designed and tuned machine. I am fearfully and wonderfully made for a purpose. 
and my creator and designer has been busy preparing the road for me to do the job that he's got for me to do today already in advance. He's been organizing the events. He's been getting his angels to make sure things work and they're ready for me, and I feel fulfilled. I'm doing what I was created to do. Can you see how that would boost your mental health? Man, you get up in the morning with a sense of purpose, amen? You get up saying, you know what, I'm important. Not like the worldly people in their circle that Paul mentions at the beginning of the, chap- of the passage where he says they're measuring themselves, comparing themselves among themselves. They are trying to accomplish something based on their own um, measurement or they're saying, look at Jim. He's so good at tennis. Let me be like him. Look at Susie. She's so good at dressing nicely. Let me be like her. Look at celebrity, whatever his name is. Let me copy him. Look at Christian sister so-and-so. Let me be like her. No, we're not comparing ourselves. We say, I am unique. God has made me the way he's made me for a purpose, for a job. Let me walk out into the works that God has prepared for me. Wouldn't that be great? Could you see how it would change your whole outlook on the world? The verses before this, I I need to just mention this because it's so startling. So I've just read Ephesians 2 verse 10 that says, we are his work of art created to do good works which he's prepared in advance for us to walk in them. But the verses just before that says, verse eight, by grace you have been saved through faith It's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So even here in this passage, he says, yes, you were created for good works, but it comes out of being saved first, not by works, by just receiving. And I'm just gonna stress this one more time. If you do works, if you start doing things to try and Please, God, to get closer to God, to get saved, to get into heaven, you've put the cart before the horse. The first thing is saying, God, thank you that I am yours. Then you realize what he's done in your life. You realize he's created you amazingly. You realize he's created works for you to do. And then you walk them out out of gratitude, not out of trying to earn something, not out of trying to copy someone else. Wouldn't that be great? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm going to read you a passage from Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to try and make this a little bit practical. But first of all, let's read Matthew 25 and verse 14. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, To another, two talents. To another, one talent. To each one according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received the five talents came and brought the other five talents 
uh, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, now listen to this phrase that the Lord says to the man with five talents, super talented guy who's done so much for the Lord. Listen to what he says to him. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. He thought he had a lot of things. He thought five talents was a lot. The Lord says, no, you just had a few. You were faithful over a few things. Uh, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Right, got it. That's the message for the main super achiever. You know the guy who preaches to millions, who's good at worship leading, and he can do amazing directorships and jobs, and he's just super talented. That's the message he gets. Verse 22, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents beside them. So he's not so talented, but he brings back what he's given, what he's been given. And he gives the two talents as well as the extra two. And uh, the Lord said to him, verse 23, listen to this phrase. It's going to be less, isn't it? God's going to say, a slightly less commendation to him. I'm going to say, you didn't do quite as well as the five-talent guy. Listen to what he says. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Did you notice that? Identical commendation. Identical. He doesn't get less. <laughs> You know the lady who works bringing up her family as a single mum, and she works hard and she earns the money and she does her best to bring her kids up and to nurture them and she prays for them and she serves a bit in church and she looks at the super able people and she says, look, they're doing more than me. When they get to heaven, the one with the two and the one with the five, if they've used what God has given them, they get the same reward. Isn't that amazing? Verse 24, then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid. There's the problem. I was afraid. Why are we afraid? Why are we afraid not to use our one talent or our two talents or our five or ten or whatever it is? Because we haven't understood grace. We haven't understood God loves me. He made me unique. I don't have to compare myself to Brother Wonderful. Amen? You are exactly how God wants you to be. And you might think you've only got one talent, but in God's eyes, they're all a few. They're all the same. There's not better and worse. It's just different talents that we've got. Don't compare. Use what you've got. He says, I was afraid. I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. God, I did nothing <laughs> with what you gave me. I, I rested in my circle, but I did nothing. But actually, he didn't even rest in his circle because he was afraid. And the Lord said, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, Gather where I have not scattered seeds. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Take the talent from him. Give it to him who has ten talents. To everyone who has, more will be given. 
and he will have an abundance from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, if I don't use what God has given me because I'm scared of God or because I'm comparing myself to others or I'm scared of what others will say or I'm lazy, the, the proof that it, it's revealing is that I haven't understood God's salvation. If I really understood how much God loves me, that it's all by grace, that he's made me amazingly and that he's got works for me, I would do something with it. The fact that he didn't do anything with what God had given him proves that he hadn't understood salvation. And so he, he wasn't saved in the end. But the challenge for us, you know, you know what he says, the, the last little phrase that the master says, he says, you could have at least put it with the bankers and got interest. The very least I can do is use the little talent that I've got, earn some money, and give it to a ministry or to somebody who is doing something for the Lord, and then I get the reward. Remember, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about how there's a, a resonance and a double reward. When I link myself with another Christian, I get their reward. That's the interest he's talking about. He says, the least you can do is earn some money with the gifts I've given you, give it to a ministry, and then you'll get some interest. But to do nothing with it means you don't even understand your salvation. I'm deeply challenged by that. I'm encouraged by the fact that he says, don't compare yourself to other Christians, but I'm challenged to say, am I afraid to use what God has given me? Do I think I'm less than? Maybe I compare myself. He says, we don't compare ourselves to those. We don't measure ourselves by others. God has made me what I am. God has appointed a circle of accomplishment for me. What are we gonna do with it? Right, one or two more scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I hope you are getting inspired because it's wonderful when you do start using God's gifts that he's given you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's using the picture of building a building. He says, your life is like a building. You've got to have the foundation of Jesus Christ. Salvation is not by building or working or doing. It's by believing in Jesus. That No one can lay any other foundation than that. But what you build on that foundation is your response of gratitude for what he's given you. Somebody said it like this. Getting saved is like God gives you a white, clean robe which gives you access into heaven. A clean, pure white robe saying you're forgiven. But what you do after that is you embroidering and decorating and adding to that robe to make it more beautiful for your Lord when you meet him in heaven. So he says, no one can add to the foundation. Then he says, now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. 
What he says is that you have this amazing opportunity. And even if you haven't used it in the past, it starts again. It resets every day. The mercies of the Lord are new every morning, the Bible says. When you wake up in the morning, you've got a full day to use for the Lord. What are you going to do with it? He says, whatever you do, you're building on the foundation of Jesus. Now, some of us, he says, build with wood, hay, and straw, which are earthly things. I'm spending my time on my own pleasure or on just earning money for the world or doing what everyone else wants me to do or trying to be similar to the person next to me. He says, that's wood, hay, and straw. That's going to be burnt up. It doesn't last into eternity. But I can build with gold, silver, and precious stones, which will last into eternity. I can do things that will affect forever. I can pray for people who will get saved. I can witness to people. I can just be an example of God. I can earn money and then invest it into the kingdom. I can be serving in church things. and I, I can be involved in things that last forever. And he says at the end there's going to be a fire and only the things done for him and for eternity will go through. Those who don't build anything of value will get saved, but they'll have just, just their white robe whereas others will get a whole bunch of rewards. I want that, amen? And I want to close by talking about the 112 hours. You know that you have 112 hours a week in which you are conscious, awake. I'm just averaging out. If you sleep eight hours a night, roughly, you have 112 hours a week. And of those 112 hours, your time in church is very small. Maybe two hours, maybe four or five hours if you're involved in ministries, maybe 10 hours if you're super involved in church. Which leaves 102 hours a week which you can build something for God. Now what are we gonna build in those 102 hours? Because you see, we think ministry and service and work, my sphere of accomplishment, is just serving in church. And we love the service that you do in church. It is so helpful. It is like putting money into the bank and getting huge amounts of interest. But there's more. There's 102 hours when you can be working as a good teacher, a good craftsman, a good mum or housewife, a good carer or nurse, whatever it is you do, there are many hours, most of the hours of your week when you can be expressing your gifts and God has made you with certain gifts and abilities that he wants you to express for his kingdom. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. In other words, when you're cutting someone's hair, when you're doing someone's bookkeeping, whatever it is, it's for the glory of God. You know, in one, uh, sorry, Acts 18 and 19, Paul visits two cities, Corinth and Ephesus. And in both of those cities, for the first period of time that he's there, well, Corinth, it's a, a, a few months, but in Ephesus, it's nearly three years. He's working as a tent maker. 
Now, Paul is the great apostle who wrote much of our Bible, who was a preacher who could heal people, he could counsel people, he could do amazing things, but he decided the best use of his time for the kingdom of God was not in preaching 10 hours a day, but in making tents for much of the day and then preaching a little bit of the day. And in those churches, they grew and they affected the world more than any of the other churches he planted because full-time ministry is not the only ministry. We are all in ministry and most of us are in secular ministry. But the difference is some are working a job just to earn a crust. Others of us are working a job, but we have the kingdom of God in mind. We're thinking, this paycheck, I can use some of this to finance God's ministry. We're thinking, this colleague that I'm working with, I can shine Christ to them. We're thinking, I can pray for people, I can witness, I can invite people. I can do a good job as an accountant because God needs accountants. God cares about whatever your job is. God cares about that in the world and he wants good Christians working hard and shining his light because whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever it is, we're doing it for the glory of God. So five E's. This is my summary. Your expertise. How has God gifted you? What are you talented at? What are you good at? Don't compare yourself or try and copy. What are you good at? Your expertise. Second, your excitement or enthusiasm. What are you passionate about? What gives you a buzz? What do you love? You know the word enthusiasm comes from two Greek words. En meaning in and theos meaning God. Did you know that? The word enthusiasm means in God. When you've got a passion and excitement about something, there's a good chance God put that in there. Your expertise, your enthusiasm, your experience. What has God led you through? You know, often when a person has come out of a struggle or an addiction or a pain or a problem, they are best suited to help others with that problem. Your experience will guide you into what your sphere of accomplishment is. Your environment is the fourth one. The surroundings around you. Sometimes you're in a place where the need is for people to wash the dishes. At other times, the need is for somebody to do heart surgery. You know, Mr. Bean, Rowan Atkinson, was on a plane and he had to save, a pilot had a heart attack and he had to save the flight. Now he's talented at acting, but he used his talents for something else when the need arose and it was brilliant. And each of us needs to look around us at our environment and say, where can I use what God has given me for this time and this place? We have been put into the kingdom for such a time as this. And our church environment, we are supposed to express our gifts in the context of a body of other believers who guide and help and say, yes, well done, that's a gift you have. Or say, mm, I'm not sure, that's, let's try you on this thing but your environment. And then lastly, your empowerment. What has God put his special gifts on? You know, there are some things where God just supernaturally empowers you to do it. Other things, it's a hard slog. And both are needed, but you need to say, Lord, where have you empowered me? Where have you gifted me? And if you look at all of those five, your expertise, what are you good at? Your excitement or enthusiasm your environment and your experience, and then lastly, what has God empowered you for? You will find a way to express your gifts. And when you do that, 
bearing in mind all the other things we've spoken about mental health, then there is a release of a sense of accomplishment. And you won't feel fully mentally healthy until you are doing something useful in your life. If you're sitting around doing very little, it's almost impossible for you to have strong mental health. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you for helping us. Thank you for empowering us. Thank you for making us your work of art and giving us works to do. And thank you, God, that you give us the opportunities to serve you. Lord, I pray for all of us. I pray for us in our church life in those few hours a week, but also in our bigger life, that you would help us to express the gifts that you've given us. And God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.